Romans chapter 8, verse 1, there is now no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus. So I'll review through this. The word now means that there was the transition, that God brought us into a new place. It's going to come into play because I want you to understand the way that God treats us as his children is different than God treats the people that are in the world. Us as his children, he has a plan for us. We've got a mission in mind. The ones for the world, his mission is to save them. His mission for us is to use us. So there's difference. So there's this transition that took place. So I went through these exact points. I, I talked about how you are in Christ. The Bible says, if any man be in Christ. Here it says there is now no condemnation to those that are in Christ. It's, it's a place of position, okay? So my children are in my family. And, and because they're in my family, it's not conditional. It's not a matter of how many, how, did you clean your room today? Okay, get out. It's not conditional. And that's what a lot of people don't understand. Well, I've been bad. It's not a conditional thing. It's positional. When you're saved, you're placed into the family of God. And so we illustrated that with Morgan being in my family and her position in Christ. But then look at verse 14. It says, For as many are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For you have not received the spirit of adoption, or spirit of bondage again to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. And the next point that I gave was that we are his child. We, we use this description often as we're his servants, or we're his followers, we're his redeemed, we're the sanctified, all those, but... And those things are all true, but looking at it from the perspective of you are a child, going again to my illustration of Morgan, uh, of Morgan has no idea how much I love her. We pointed that out. There's an unconditional love that I have for my children the way that God has for us. Meaning that as, my, as her father, I want the very, very best for her always. And there's a peace. It says there's no longer spirit of fear. You know, again, into bondage. Anybody that's living in fear all the time, you know, and say, I think God's mad at it. Then you don't understand your position in Christ. He said, there's no longer that bondage of fear. So if we go around living like that, then we've lost it. We don't understand it. But ye have received the spirit of adoption. That spirit is his spirit bearing witness with our spirit. It is a relationship. There, there's this adoption that the Bible talks about. A feeling of acceptance is what it's talking And so the Spirit beareth witness, verse 16, His Spirit beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. That beareth witness means that there's a communion. Because this is something that I don't care what you try to do, you will never be able to explain to a lost person. Go to them and say, there's something that happens inside my life. You know, even seeing the cross or hearing about, you know, Christ was born in Bethlehem and those things. None of the world will ever understand it like we do. That's because His Spirit bears witness with our spirit. Conviction and joy in the fruits of the Spirit. All those things. There's an internal connection to us. It's not a contract. It's not a list of do's or don'ts. You are in Christ. You are His child. And you are secure is how we finalize it. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Romans chapter 8 verse 35. It's unconditional and it's unchanging. But what does a good father in this position, so now I'm not going to bring Morgan or somebody up, let me, let me just visualize here, okay, if, if I was to have my child here, what, what is it now that this relationship is like? And I know that we often think about the things that we receive from God, okay, if I was to go around and say, what do you pray for? We pray for blessings and we ask God for all these things and he is all those things. But look at in the middle of Romans chapter 8 verse 28. Here's the verse that we did this morning. 
And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them that are called according to his purpose. So and then we go from last week's message to this morning. Everything that we face in this life, according to this verse, he's working it out for our good. He does that because he's a good father and he has good things for us. The father is someone that is a good father develops his kids. Okay, a good father is one that trains up his children the way they should go. This could almost go into a parenting class here. But you think about our Heavenly Father, the way that He's doing, He's training all of us up in the way that we should go or the way that we should live our lives. Interesting thing, when we say that verse in Proverbs, the word train means to disciple, to discipline, or to develop. That's what God's doing. So you got to understand that everything that I'm going to organize in her life, I'm going to do for her good. And same thing when I'm raising my kids and I'm starting the routines of teaching them to brush their teeth or do their homework or go to bed or make their clothes or vacuum the floor. I'm doing all of these things for her good. And then the next verse explains it even more. Verse 29, for whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed into the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. He planned to save us. He planned to transform us into the image of his son. So you can imagine my goal of this relationship that I have with my daughter, everything that I'm doing, all these things that I'm doing for her good is not only to accomplish people for them to see Jesus or see the cross. Let me take it to another level. It's for my children to grow up in the image of myself. Now, a lot of times when we're raising kids, we're thinking, man, I hope they don't pick up my bad habits, or I hope they don't develop this that I have. I want better for them. But I tell you, that never is the case with our God. You never have to worry about picking up a bad habit from God, because all that God is, is good. We have another illustration of the same thing. If you go to the Old Testament, and even there's a, in chapter 9 of this book of Romans, the illustration of the potter and the clay. You know what the potter does is the potter takes his hand and he's forming that pot into an image. He is conforming it into what he wants it to be, a vessel that he can use. But let me ask you this question. How does God do that? Getting into the ninth minute. How does God do that? You say, well, the potter never throws the clay away. Amen. That's a great song. It's a great verse. It's a great passage. Great illustration. But how many of you feel like a clump of clay tonight? You know what I'm saying? It's like... I get it, but uh, tomorrow morning's Monday, I'm going to go to work, so how is this uh, clay illustration going to help me in my life? Because we're not clay, even though the illustration works. He wants his will and desire to come out in our lives of what he wants, through us being surrendered. In the position that God is with us in our relationship, we must accept our Father as being a good Father and what he does. You don't have to turn there, but Matthew 7, 11 says, If ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your Father, which is in heaven, good, good, uh, give good gifts to them that ask Him? He, he is a good Father that does more than give grace, that does more than answer prayers, that does more than give blessings in our lives. So let me give you two th- ways that our Father is a good Father to us. Number one, by the challenges that we face. By the challenges that we face. As a kid, I used to work with my dad on, on job sites. A lot of you guys know that I grew up uh, working construction. That's what I did. I was power saws and, and trucks and you know hauling trash away and doing all that stuff. It was part of what I grew up. And so I'm thankful for that now because 
I want to be able to work on my house and do some of the things that we do around the church without having that knowledge of that. But I remember when I was just a kid, when I say a kid, I'm saying like six, seven years old. My dad used to wake me up early in the morning on Saturday, put me in the truck, bring us to work with him. He would pay us to go around with these boxes and clean up his job sites. We did vinyl siding and gutters and things like that. And that's all I did all day. As I walked around with a box and I cleaned it up. Remember, my dad would say, hey, I've got something new for you to do today. When we get there, I want you to be a runner. I'm going to yell for stuff. You're going to go to the truck. You're going to find that tool. You're going to bring it back to me. And then my dad started us on little jobs. And uh, he'd actually pull up one side of the vinyl siding. I'd pull up the other and I'd drive the nails and we'd do that. And then my dad actually walked away and said, now you do these next three pieces and I'll come and check on it and make sure you're doing good. That grew from me doing that to cutting the pieces and running the saw table and eventually I would be folding the metal and doing it, which was greater expense if I was to mess up. I remember then my, my brother started his own crew and I became his partner and then me and my brother were doing these jobs and we were getting the money and before long, dad had his crew, we had our crew and I was 19 years old doing this. From there, I was able to get a job that I was making uh, much better money than anybody would be doing jobs. So it, and, and eventually, I, I was working even two jobs of doing the vinyl siding at one time, one in the evening, one in the afternoon, doing side jobs. And I earned the money to get married, earned the money to go off to college. And let me just say, everything that my dad did, he was pushing me, constantly pushing me, never let me settle. He was, and that look, looking at it then, I, I thought one thing was he was just being a good, good father. Some of it I look back and say he just wanted cheap labor. But either way, for the sake of the illustration, let's just go with the good father thing. I realized that my dad was doing his job as a father to push me beyond what I thought that I could do. So I want you to walk with me through this concept. Um, go, go with me to 1 Samuel chapter 18. And uh, we're going to go pass a little bit from some of the familiar aspects of this Bible story of the life of David. See, my dad saw the importance of challenging me. I'm extremely glad today because as we grow as Christians, our good father does the same thing. He will expand your faith. He will place you into positions and give you challenges every single day of your life because he knows that he is transforming us into the image of his son, like we read in Romans chapter 8, verse 29. And all of these things that I was doing, that I was getting up early and going to the job site and hit my finger with a nail, and I remember doing one of the things where we were up on there and I was cutting this paper. I was three weeks, two and a half weeks away from our wedding. And uh, I had this brand new razor blade and I was cutting above my head and I put my hand across and I went across three tips of my fingers right through the fingernail and everything. It's just, and I, I, I didn't understand all of those things that I was doing, the good, the bad, the, the, the cold days and the hot summers and all those things was working that my dad was pulling out character in me and teaching me to do something. And I was thinking about David in the Bible. More is written about David than any other Bible character. If you combine Psalms and Kings and First and Second Samuel. And David started off small. And you think about it, God had a plan for him. You know how I know that God had a plan for him? God pulls him out and anoints him with oil. Because God was going to use him to be a king. But if you go back to the beginning of his life, here it is. He's submitting to God, watching his father's sheep. 
And then all of a sudden, he's, his father is taking him and pushing him to the sides of the, the battle that's going on. And the dad comes along and says, deliver this cheese. And God was like, okay, I'm just a delivery boy. God says, no, it's more than that. God was pushing him. Stands on the sidelines. He goes out and faces Goliath alone. He becomes a warrior in, in uh, Saul's army. You guys know how he progressed in that. To the fact that he was leading armies. Now notice this, 1 Samuel chapter 18, verse 14. And David behaved himself wisely in all of his ways, and the Lord was with him. Wherefore, when Saul saw him, saw that he behaved himself very wisely, he was afraid of him. But all of Israel and Judah loved David, because he went out and came in before them. The going out and coming in, what the references is going out, he would go out and lead his army to war, he would come back in with the victory. And it was, that was the reference, we'll see that again repeated. David was building up a huge level of respect among the people, including Saul. And they begin to follow him as a leader. Guys, what you need to understand, in every single one of us in here, God is never going to leave you where you're at. Never. I don't care where you're at right now, God has no intention of leaving you there. And if you ever get to the point, it'd be like David showing up that day, sitting on the sidelines, pulling out an apple and saying, who's this dude going to fight? And you say, that's ridiculous. No, God had a plan for him. You're right. And the fact that he slayed the giant opened up for them to recognize him as a leader, to put him into a position of the army, to let the people one victory after another, until one day he became the king of Israel. But the good father that he had kept going behind David saying, all right, it's now time to do this. It's time to do this. Giving those challenges, raising him to the next level. Let me ask you guys, and every one of us, I don't care, save long time or shortly, what's God nudging you to do next? How's, how's God challenging you? How's God pushing you out of your comfort zone? Look to the uh, next chapter, 1 Samuel chapter 19, verse 8. And there was war again. And David went out and fought with the Philistines and slew them with a great slaughter. And they fled from him. What happened is, David now is leading the army. And now not only are the children of Israel respecting him. When David showed up, the, cho- the opposite army was like, this is David. We better get out of here. Everything was going well. He was to be the next anointed king and everything was falling into place. He could never saw this coming. But let me tell you, that's never good enough with God. If, if you ever get stagnant in your life... As a good father, be ready for God to push you into that next level. I, I, I can tell you guys, you all know uh, Pastor Joe uh, Catroni and, and, and Becca are in uh, Kansas right now. They're there surveying with a group of people and cast a vision for a possible of what God might be doing next. And, and I, I ask you guys right now to pray for them. I mean, it's a scary thing. They're getting ready to transfer out of Chicago and doing that, and, and you could just see that with, with Pastor Joe, everything that God has done has gotten behind him to push him. And you say, what, God, what is God going to do? Well, God's going to use him to pastor a church somewhere, somehow. But that transition to get there is not easy. Actually, it's, we, we, we resist it. I'm telling you, right now, there's some of you that you've got to understand that God's going to be calling you to be Sunday school teachers. or calling you to stand out and witness. They're pushing you into being the next leader of a department in our church, whatever it is. And, and I'll tell you, the church is going to die. Israel was going to suffer. And David stood over there and said, I'm not doing anything else. I'm done. And that, God will push you. And I think David might have even like, man, this is great. Look at 1 Samuel chapter 19, verse 9. And the evil spirit from the Lord was upon Saul. 
And he sat in his house with his javelin in his hand, and David played with his hand. And Saul sought to smite David, even to the wall with the javelin. But he slipped away out of Saul's presence and smote the javelin into the wall, and David fled. And he escaped that night. And we would sit there and say, why? Because God had bigger plans for David. Sometimes God pushes you out of that comfort zone. Let's put it this way, God shows tough love to us. You know, God, God has a way of pushing you into that next level and say, God, I'm not ready for this. And like the mama bird that pushes the baby birds out of the nest. God's, God's going to push you into that next spot. God knows how to do that. And sometimes God works in our lives through tough love. God was challenging David by giving him obstacles. It's like a weightlifter. You know, if that weightlifter ever plans on getting stronger, and you know, you know what they're going to do is he's going to push himself to where he's comfortable, and, and then the next guy's going to come over and he's going to put maybe that next just five pounds on each side of that. And all of a sudden, the guy's straining again and saying, man, this isn't comfortable. Well, eventually, the guy would have never been pushing 200 pounds if he didn't start off going from 1 to 110. And that's the thing that we've got to understand of every one of us. As a good father, that's what our good father does is he pushes us into where we are. God might be pushing some of you right now. From this point on, David never fights again in Saul's army. The next time we see David, it's, it's him with Saul as being the king besides the conflict that they had. And this segment of his life is over. He lost that position of going from rug rat show up, you know, throw a rock to leading the army, and now he's running for his life. God has a way of doing that with us, of challenging us as his kids, by placing these in our lives. Let me just say, physically speaking, it's a dad teaching his son to cut grass or pushing him to go from playing junior varsity to varsity. But spiritually speaking of our Heavenly Father, God has a way of pushing us out of our comfort zones teaching you, leading you, and loving you to do more than what you're capable of doing. You say, why? Because God loves you enough to do this. Don't be surprised when new challenges come to you as a parent or as a leader or somewhere out of the blue sky, myself or somebody comes up to you and says, hey, would you ever consider doing this? No way. Well, maybe that's God teaching you and showing you love. Because your father is a good father, he not only teaches us and pushes us through challenges. But here's another one that we don't look at is God being a good father, but that's through correction. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 6, For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth, and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. The word chasteneth doesn't just mean like a parent spanking or correcting his child. It means teaches or corrects. The next verse is, If ye endure chastening, God dealeth with you as sons. For what son is he whom the father chasteneth not? I'll, I'll be honest. I, started, I wanted to come before you guys and tell you just a really cool story about me getting in trouble as a kid. I could not think of one. Uh, but I thought of a bunch for Pastor Dave. So I'll just go run in that direction. And uh, uh, when we were kids, it was not uncommon for us to get in trouble. And I, I tell you, my, my mom jokes about this all the time. And she says, you know, I'd, I'd be wore out at the end of the day knowing that I was going to have to spank the boys. It's just like, it was just something about we naturally got in trouble. And I'll tell you, it wasn't because we were bad kids. It was just because the three of us together ended up fighting and we would get in trouble for fighting all the time. It was just 
naturally, and, and it usually was instigated by the other two. And I, I, I know you guys think I'm just joking with that, but that is absolutely, Jen, am I not right? It was usually Dave or Denny, whatever. <laughs> and I can tell you, because my dad absolutely loved us, and because he knew what he had for us, my dad did not let us get away with anything. I, I, I was in the store the other day, and uh, there was this kid. Have any of you guys ever watched a kid pitch a fitness store before and you're just thinking, boy, if <laughs> I was thinking the whole time, if, if that was my parents or if that was my kid, you know, and just like going, this kid is literally gnawing on this parent's leg, like, like trying to get a good bite on the, the parent's leg. And then this kid is screaming, punching their parents, and all the parent is doing is wiggling their leg, trying to get the kid away. And I am thinking, just biblically speaking, I'm not being judgmental, whatever. I'm just telling you guys, biblically speaking, that's not a good parent. That's not a good parent. See, a good parent knows when things are wrong and they make them right. And a good parent of our Heavenly Father, when he sees something wrong, is out to make it right. And, and if God was not a good parent and God did not care about us, he would let you run off and do whatever you wanted. But that's not who our Father is. See, a good father will step in and say, no, I know the direction you're going. The thing that you're doing will only bring harm to you. And I'm going to stop it because I don't want you to end up in that way. Raising kids, I understand the concept of correcting kids. When, when kids, especially when they're little and they're sticking things in their mouth or they're running through a store or they run towards a car or whatever it is, your heart races I, you know what I'm saying? I mean, you understand. If they're doing that at two, I don't want them doing it at five when they're in a store and they disappear. And I've told you guys stories before about that, of me literally freaking out, screaming through a store trying to find my kid. Because the last thing I just thought, seconds, and my kid is walking out the door with some stranger and I, I lose it. Why is that? I'll tell you why. Because it's because I love my kids. When I love my kids and I see them doing things or going in a direction that I know is not good, and, and I've, I've told you guys, I, I speak before you guys a lot, so okay. And uh, I, I've told you guys before, when, when we were at our house and I saw Jordan one time running down towards the street, I mean flat going towards the ball into the middle of the street when he was young. How, I, and a car came up and nailed on their horn and all this other stuff. I, I came up and corrected him and put him there and he's probably sitting in his mind saying my dad is awful no I'm saying your dad just saved your life that's what I did because I love my kids to ignore these things would not caring for would not be caring for my kids whatsoever the thing was I didn't want them to do it again I'm going to be honest I can't explain to you how God corrects his kids you know what I'm saying I, I can personally tell you and some of it I've, I've wondered, I was, I was driving down the road, I shouldn't tell you this, but I was driving down the road aggravated one time, and I can't remember what it was about, and I had all these things on my mind, and I was just in a bad mood and everything like this, and I was not thinking anything spiritual or whatever, and I took a turn, hit a pothole, got a flat tire, all of a sudden I'm on the side of the road within seconds of being upset about everything going on. The next thing that I know, I'm on my hands and knees changing a tire. It happened right around the corner from the church. And you can sit there all day long and say, well, that's just a coincidence. I'm sorry. I'm not saying it was God or whatever, but I can tell you it got my attention real fast. And a lot of you guys know those situations where God's gotten your attention real fast. When you start getting mad at something, you end up tripping on the floor or slamming something in the door or whatever. And all of a sudden, your attitude changes. I believe some of what we think is God punishing is actually just consequences of sin. 
And I think we can get that uh, misunderstood. For instance, the prodigal son spent every dime that he had and ended up in the pig pen. Now here's the father saying there saying, okay, there you go, and the son runs off. Did dad throw him in the pig pen? Did dad spend all his money? Did dad do all those things? No. The, the son ran off and did that. That was just the consequences of life. When, when my kids were little, one time we were walking into a store. I said, don't run, don't run, don't run. Come back here with dad. Slid on the ice and hit, the, you know, busted, busted their tails on the ice. And you say, wow, dad corrected you. I didn't do anything. I just let the, the, their own actions get to them and do what they did. He's got to understand with God when... There's some things that we've got to understand. When we jerk away with God from away from God and we run off and we do our things, we do that to ourselves. And we look back and say, God, how could you? And God's sitting there saying, Hey, wait a minute, I was trying to stop you from doing that. The father with the prodigal son was trying to stop his son from going to do there. That's what a father does. Some of it is just simply self-inflicted because the Bible has a principle that you reap what you sow. When my child fell on the ice, I didn't throw them on the ice. Their actions led them to falling on the ice. Some things are just simply consequences. I've heard of young people running wild and and going out into the world, and they come back with a sexually transmitted disease, and they say, well, God gave me that. No, your sin did that. God had a plan right next to his side for something good for you. Some things just are the consequences. But let let me take you further into the story. 2 Samuel chapter 12, verse 1. And this is not saying that God does not correct us, but I think sometimes we can mix those things up of the difference between what we do and what God did. The Bible says in 2 Samuel chapter 12, verse 1, And the Lord sent Nathan unto David. And you say, why did you just read the first part of that? Because you don't want to miss the important part of this. God did it. God in our sin. And I, I can remember the times that I was growing up that my mom would bust me doing or Dave doing wrong things. And uh, I, I, it just how she would find out, it, it'd just be mind-boggling. How in the world did my mom find out? I remember my mom and dad told Denny that he could not buy something. There was something that he was not supposed to go to the store. He just got his driver's license. Denny went to, to the store and he bought it anyways. Dropped the receipt on the floorboard of the driver's seat of my mom and dad's car. Mom and dad gets into the car, picks it up, goes right inside, says, Denny, so, you know, how did you know that? You know, be sure your sin will find you out. Something, I think God gives parents that sixth sense of knowing these things. But here it is, God goes to David to confront him of his sin. And I know you guys know this, but God never has loved us from a distance. He came to where we were at, he stepped into our lives, and he loves us. You know why? Because as a father, I get that. The same way that Hosea went after Gomer when she fell into her sin is the same way that God comes after us. The same way that any of you, that if your child fell or messed up or got caught up in something, you'd be the first one to try to sit there and rescue them out of it. Not that you don't want them feeling the consequences of their sin, but you love them. God's plan and God's correction is motivated out of His love for us. It's not anger. It's not that God loses His temper because He knows that He's got better plans for us than what we're getting into. Notice how and what God was doing in this story. He knew that David had fallen. He knew that David was sinning. He knew that David was miserable. And God was confronting David of his sin. There's one thing that we all know that you cannot ignore your sin. God does not allow it. We'll either recognize it and confront it and deal with it ourselves or God will call you out on it. 
And that's what our, our parents do, and that's what our God does. Watch what Nathan does. Now, Nathan sets up David, and he gives us this illustration of his sin. In 2 Samuel chapter 12, verse 1, And the Lord sent Nathan unto David, and he came unto him, and he said unto him, There were two men in one city. One was rich, and the other was poor. And the rich man had exceeding many flocks and herds. But the poor man had nothing save one little uh, ulam, which he had bought and nourished up. And it grew up together with him and with his children. And he did eat of his own meat and drank of his own cup and lay in his bosom. And it was unto him as a daughter. And there came a traveler unto the rich man. And he spared not to take his own flock and unto his own herd and dress it for a wayfaring man that was come unto him. But he took the poor man's lamb. And he dressed it for the, for the man that he was come unto him. And David knew that he had sinned. And God points out this illustration. God lays this out and says, All right, there was this poor man that had only one lamb and this rich man that had it. And he came and took his only lamb. And David was furious about this. But the thing is, David did not see his sin the way that God saw his sin. Let me remind you about something that the word chasteneth means to correct. But it also means to teach. When God steps into our lives to correct us, he's not just trying to punish like we would do as a dad that loses his cool and goes in and disciplines his kids. Guys, remember, according to the Bible, you get mad and you're <clears throat> taking it on your kids. That's an anger problem, not a correcting problem. You've got to understand that there is a big difference. But in this passage, God never loses his cool and he never takes his anger out on us, but he does correct us. You see, in that passage right there, God's pulling back the curtains of his eyes for him to be exposed. If this is what you did. This is how it feels. This is the effect of your sin. You know why? Because you teach your kids through correcting them, they won't go back to doing it again. If you just <clears throat> abuse your kids, they're not going to learn from their mistakes. And that's something that the world doesn't understand. I remember my mom <clears throat> coming in my room to give me a spanking. She would always start with the questions, you don't know how much this is going to hurt me. Now, to be honest, I don't know if I believe that, but anyways, that's what she used to say. But I remember my mom saying that out of, out of her heart of how much that bothered her. And I'll tell you, as a child, I didn't get that until I became a teenager. And there was one time that I'm thinking for what I did that I'm going to get it. But instead of getting it from my mom, I got something else. My mom looked in my face, broke down in tears and said, you'll have no idea how, much bad, how bad this hurts me. She walked around, cried, went to her room and shut the door. And I tell you, at that moment, I wish with all of my heart that my mom would have just spanked me or done something to me instead of what she did. And I think with God, if what he's doing in this story is the correcting, is God pulls back sometimes and says, this is the mess that you're making. This is the problem. This is what you're doing. This is the effect that it's having on other people. This is the effect that it's having on your ministry. This is the effect. So I'm saying that the, the chasing, the correcting, or the teaching of God doesn't come in the forms that we always think so. It's not always hitting a curve and busting your tire or stubbing your toe in the middle of the night because you're mad. Sometimes it comes through God just unveiling. Here it is. God's unveiling his sin before him. God is disciplining him. In verse 5, And David's anger was greatly kindled against the man. And he said unto Nathan, As the Lord liveth, the man that hath done this thing shall surely die. As the king, it was his job to bring judgment, to make the wrongs right and to show no mercy. And that's not how our God is. You see, I love the fact that our loving Father will expose our sin 
expecting us to repent of it to make it right. Because of the fact that where God wants us is right back here where he started. Close to the Father that he can form us into his image to challenge us to do greater things for him. Because that's why we're created. Verse 6, and he, and he shall restore the lamb fourfold because he did this thing and because he had no pity. And David demands this judgment. In verse 7, and Nathan said to David, thou art the man. Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, I anointed thee king over Israel, and I delivered thee out of the hand of Saul, and I gave thee thy master's house and thy master's wife into thy bosom, and gave thee the house of Israel and of Judah. If had been too little, I would moreover have given thee unto thee such a thing. Wherefore hast thou despised the commandment of the Lord to do evil in his sight? Can you imagine the brokenness of God? But now the brokenness of David. Because he saw what he did. He saw that he let the Lord down. David thought that he had covered his sin by doing everything that he did. By deceiving Uriah and deceiving Bathsheba. And having him murdered and all this stuff. But God confronts our sin because simply because God loves us. God is a good, good father. And sometimes we get mad with how things are exposed. Or what God does. Or how God confronts us. Or how God pushes us. But it's because God is good. David responds in verse 13. And David said unto Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. Nathan said unto David, The Lord also hath put away thy sin, thou shalt not die. David broke down before the Lord. He realized his sin. He got it right. And God restored him. You know the ultimate desire of what God has for every single one of us is the same desire that you as a father or mother have for your children if that illustration applies is you want a solid good relationship with them you want nothing more than unity and joy and love and for them to grow up to become everything that you envision for them to be but sometimes the correcting of God is just simply allowing us to see how much we have hurt him and how much we're going to miss out on what he has for us why is this simply because God is a great father The goodness of God sometimes comes in different forms and it comes in blessings, it comes in answered prayer. But sometimes it's simply because God gets behind us and God pushes us out of our comfort zones or God corrects us in order to get us back on track. God is doing all this to form us in His image. I'm telling you guys right now, a lot of us are brothers and sisters in Christ, saved, born again, come to church, faithful, don't miss, all these things, they're great But I tell you, you have a heavenly father that might be poking, pushing you right now. He's doing things. Maybe he's right now, that sin that you're covering, he's ready to expose it. Maybe right now, God's getting ready to push you into another avenue, another opportunity to do things. Why? Because he's he's good. He loves us. He, He wants the best for us. 